victory. All right. Wow, is Kevin Twitt a uh, fount of information about uh, all things hymns and could just listen to him and listen to him? And uh, that was uh, so rich and so good. I'm going to read from Acts uh, chapter 28. It's the last chapter in Acts. We read from the morning, the first chapter. Um, where does all this go? This uh, outpouring of the Holy Spirit all the way to the end of the um, book. I came back from a, a trip away and the other pastors on staff said, you drew Acts chapter 28. I looked up every pastor I knew and nobody had ever preached on Acts chapter 28. Uh, but there's some real, uh, that's kind of a warning that um, <laughs> what we're about to have. Uh, um, but that was so rich uh, with um, Kevin and his uh, son. I, I feel like we had like an eight course meal and uh, now I'm going to throw in a few more courses. Uh, so um, let's pray. Father, um, as we sang, I am bound. I am bound for the promised land. Uh, gosh, my soul was overcome. I think I can't wait to lay my head on your bosom. I can't wait. Um, I can't wait for all things to be made new. Um, I can't wait. Um, Jesus, for um, uh, your creation to be restored and healed. Um, Lord, I, I thank you for the, the Mill Village, for that, that report. Um, and even the story of the one man, um, one young man, who's finding life and purpose and confidence and hope. And um, So Lord, um, bound for the promised land with these brothers and sisters at Mitchell Road Church. What a privilege to spend the day with them. Um, what a beautiful future we have together, um, bound for eternity. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. So the, the book of Acts would seem to be heading for a rather dramatic conclusion and an epic clash. You know, Paul has um, left uh, uh, Jerusalem there, and he's gone to Judea and Samaria, into Syria, modern-day Turkey, starting churches on his missionary journeys. He's, um, he's gone to Ephesus. He's gone around the Aegean Sea. He's gotten to um, Macedonia. Any of you ever been to Macedonia? It's incredible. The tomb of Alexander the Great's father was discovered there recently, completely like it was thousands and thousands of years ago uh, when, when they buried it. Uh, right up into Macedonia, Thessalonica, down all the way. Um, the gospel's gone down to um, Athens, right? The, the, the place of uh, knowledge and learning and understanding to Corinth, wicked uh, city, the Las Vegas of the ancient um, world. But where has the gospel not gone? It hasn't gone to Rome. This is the epic clash. Um, so Paul... Uh, has to make his way back to Jerusalem. There he's arrested. He's put on trial. He's held in jail for a number of years and uh, taken on a ship um, back to um, Rome. And so here we come in the last chapter of the book of Acts. It's like this epic um, uh, clash is going to take place. The kingdom of God and, and the kingdom of man is going to meet right there. So I'm going to have you stand just because Kevin never did. And... Um, <laughs> And as we give our attention to God's word, um, and, and Paul comes off a ship about 
about 60 miles, 70 uh, miles from um, Rome, uh, south of there. And uh, we pick it up at verse 14. And it says, There we found brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days. And so we came to Rome. And the brothers there, when they heard about us, came as far as the Forum of Apius and three taverns to meet us. And on seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. And when we came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. He's under arrest and brought back for trial. It says, after three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews. That's always where he went first, the Jewish population. And when they had gathered, he said to them, brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. Skipping down to verse 22, um, Paul uh, tells him the story of his, his uh, trial, but he says, um, uh, and they responded, but we desire to hear from you what your views are. For with regard to this sect, this Christianity, we know that everywhere it's spoken against. So they appointed a day for Paul. They came to him at his lodging in greater numbers, and from morning till evening, he expounded to the Jewish community, testifying to the kingdom of God, and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. Disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will indeed hear but never understand, and you will indeed see but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, And with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. what What a searing rebuke, huh? He lived there two whole years at Rome at his own expense. And he welcomed all who came to him proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Amen. This is the reading of God's holy, infallible, and inspired word. The grass withers and the flower fades, but not the word of God. No, the word of God stands forever. Yes, and thanks be to God. You may be seated. No death was considered more excruciating and more contemptible than crucifixion. Tom Holland wrote the epic book, Dominion. Do we have that quote? There it is. Um, To be hung. This is Tom Holland's book on crucifixion. uh, At at the very beginning of, of, of his book, Dominion. To be hung naked, long in agony, swelling with ugly wheels on shoulders and chest, helpless to beat away the clamorous birds. Such a fate, Roman intellectuals agreed, was the worst imaginable. This, in turn, was what rendered it so suitable a punishment for slaves. Executioners would make a spectacle of their victims by suspending them in a variety of inventive ways. One, perhaps upside down, with his head towards the ground. Another, uh, with a stake driven through his privates. Everything about the practice of nailing a man to a cross was repellent. Divinity was for the very greatest of the great, for victors and heroes and kings. Its measure was the power to torture one's enemies, not to suffer it oneself. 
that a man who had himself been crucified might be hailed as a god could not help but be seen by people everywhere across the Roman world as scandalous, obscene, and grotesque. Listen, um, it's unfathomable that any Roman would become a follower of a crucified criminal. Um, The crucified were the lowest of the low. Um, Deity didn't get crucified. If you were crucified, you were a nobody. You were a vile. You you were vile. You were the lowest uh, imaginable. So imagine, into Rome walks a prisoner, a follower of a criminal crucified in Jerusalem. And Rome is never the same again. This is the greatest upset that's ever taken place in world history. Think about it. In walks a representative of a crucified criminal, in chains himself, and Rome is completely transformed. What happens when the kingdom of God meets the kingdom of this world? You know, cue the hallelujah chorus, right? King of kings and Lord of lords. You know, hallelujah, hallelujah. He shall reign forever and ever and ever. What's the most prominent building in, uh, in Rome? St. Peter's Basilica, right? There it is. It's named St. Peter's, right? It's not named St. Nero's, is it? Um, St. Peter's, the Christianity captures Rome. Um, So what happened when the gospel got there? What happens when the gospel gets to Greenville? What happens when the gospel gets to Mitchell Road Church? What happens when the gospel gets into your home or into your life? It has the power to change anything. So three quick things. The first thing, it has the power. The gospel produces family, right? What happens when the gospel is unleashed? It produces family. Paul had made three missionary journey. The third ends with his return to Jerusalem. He's arrested. He's confined for two years. He's transported to Rome. He arrives in 58 AD. And after months and years of imprisonment, trial, shipwreck, Paul hits land and is greeted by who? Christians. Christians who insist that they stay a week there and rest. Then they head to Rome. Christians came all the way out to meet him. Some came 80 miles from Rome. Some came 30 miles from Rome. All all to escort Paul all the way in to Rome. It's amazing. Um, The gospel creates family. You know, this is the way a returning war hero is treated, right? Um, uh, they come triumphantly, and then people would come out. This is like um, what, uh, what some churches believe is the rapture, right? Um, Jesus is going to appear in the sky, and then they're going to rise up in the air, and then they're going to go away with him. But that's not what's going to happen. That's not the way it went when a conquering general was coming home, and the word would go out, the army's coming, the army's coming, and we won. They would all run out. They would run down the road, and they would meet the army so that they could what? Share in the victory, right? And they would all parade back into the city. And of course, what trailed behind the army? Their, their, their capture, their, their, all that they had conquered. Um, the slaves would be in chains coming in. What's happening in this case? It's a slave in chains who's making his way into Rome. And, uh, and, and, and it's the brothers and sisters in faith who rush out to greet him. 
and escort Paul all the way into Rome. And Paul receives fresh courage from this. On seeing them, the, the, the Bible says, Paul thanked God and he took courage. Now, we laud the gift of Paul to the church, but we do well to remember the gift of the church to the apostle Paul. Do you know the beauty of the family of Jesus? Do you know the beauty of the church? Do you know the beauty of friends who will fight for you through this difficult... I love Kevin's words about um, that songs have to be accurate. They have to tell the truth of the challenge, the grief, the hardship of walking through this world. That's why Jesus gives us each other, the church, the power of family, the power to have people. Do you have people who fight for you? Do you have people who fight for your children, your grandchildren? People are on your team, they're on your side. We desperately need it in the world. You know, in post-COVID era, sometimes you run into people that I haven't seen in a long time. Used to come to our church, uh, and they haven't started back. And it's easy to say to them, um, well, I haven't seen you in church. But that's really not accurate, right? Um, Because what we're doing here is in church. This is what? This is worship. What we're really saying is I haven't seen you in a worship service. Uh, so sometimes we, 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 we make a mistake to think that, that's why I say at the end of church, at the end of worship is when church starts. Um, we have worship on the weekends and when worship's over, now it's time to be the church, right? It's really about being the church. It's not about going to church. Going to church, of course, is part of it, but it's so much more than that. It's about being the church, When Paul's greeted, they're not going to church, they are being the church. What a risk they're running. They're identifying with a man in chains who's coming into Rome in opposition to everything the Roman emperor, everything the empire believes, right? Taking on the whole empire. Um, Gosh, the uniqueness of the family of God. Do you have Romans uh, chapter 16, verse 21 through 23? So at the end of the book of Romans, so this is a book to the, to the Christians in Rome, at the very last chapter, Paul does this very interesting thing, and he, and he starts greeting all the um, people, uh, and, uh, and he's sending greetings, and he says, Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you, to the people in Rome, and so do Lucius, and Jason, and Sosipater, my kinsmen. And then he says, I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Who's that? Some guy horns in on Paul's glory, right? I, Tertius, who wrote this letter. I thought Paul wrote the letter of Romans. Well, Paul, you know, had a scribe, right? He had an amanuensis. Um, Paul didn't write. He, he, he spoke it, and it was written down, and it was written down by Tertius. So along the way, Paul uh, essentially stops and says, Hey, Tertius, why don't you, why don't you say hi too, right? <laughs> But do you understand who Tertius is? Slaves didn't get names. Slave, the firstborn uh, to to slaves was one. The secondborn was two. The thirdborn was Tertius, three. That's what that means. So that's a slave who's Paul's scribe. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Keep, Keep going. Gaius, who is host to me and to the whole church, greets you. Now, he's host to him and the whole church. That means Gaius is a big house. I mean, Gaius probably has big money. Erastus, the city treasurer, greets you. 
And Cordus greets you. Who's Cordus? That's Tertius' brother. Cordus, that's number four. That means in the church there in Corinth where Paul writes this letter is what? Slaves and wealthy people all together, all worshiping together. There's nothing like the church of Jesus Christ. The church of Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. The church of Jesus Christ is the healing of the world. Uh, it's beautiful. We're the brothers and sisters, the power of the gospel in an impersonal, lonely world. Everyone needs love. Everyone needs to be seen. Everyone needs to matter. How deeply we need to know that we are not alone. You know, one of our pastors, we have a new pastor in our church, and he was telling me recently that his first year of ministry, one of the first sermons he ever gave in this church, he used the word in his sermon, snot. And, uh, and one of the um, elders of the church was so enraged that he was waiting on Monday morning for him to come in and just ripped him up one side, down the other for using the word snot. And, um, um, and then he continued it. And then he brought it to the elders and he more or less brought charges against him. And this lingered for the entire first year this guy was in ministry. And I want to say something to you guys. That's not right. <laughs> it's just not. We had, um, we had this very gifted worship leader leading worship in our church, very young Man, and uh, he's leading worship in our, our church, and you know, he's into it, and his face is all into it, and everything. And he told me after the service, um, uh, somebody came up to them and said, That's so distracting the way you scrunch up your face when you get, you know, when you're leading the worship. It looks like you need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and I remember when I heard that, I just said, That's it. And I'm telling our church, We are not going to behave this way. We're going to bring young pastors and young musicians into our church, and they're going to lead us. And you know what? Some of them aren't going to be very good either. Just like I was horrible. When I started this church, I was 25 years old, and uh, I had no idea what what I was doing in, in any area of ministry. My preaching was horrible, but there was a doctor, an old doctor, who would meet me at the door after. He was the founder of the whole thing, first elder in our church. And he'd have tears in his eyes, and I'd walk out, and he said, and he knew all these prominent pastors around the, the country. And, and he'd walk out, tears in his eyes, and he'd say, that's the greatest sermon I've ever heard. And I said, Sam, I'd like to be encouraged by that, but you've said that to me seven weeks in a row. <laughs> but that's what the church of Jesus Christ is to be, is a people who fight for each other. They, Paul, they, Paul shipwrecked all this... Um, uh, trial in chains, headed to prison, and they're out there greeting him. They're out there walking him into the city. They're out there going with them. There's an entourage um, for him. So important. Listen, my um, um, my my two sons, my two son-in-laws, the four of us went to um, um, walk the Inca Trail to Machu Picchu. So it's a four-day walk. So they're they're these young bucks and. Um, and well, I'm not. And, um, and so uh, this was arduous for me. And the second day, I believe, was the hardest. And we had to, we had to climb six straight hours. It was about a 1,300-foot peak we had to pass over. And uh, six straight hours of climbing. It's not just climbing, it's steps. 
steps, six straight hours of, of steps in that altitude. And uh, they all left me. I said, you don't have to walk with me. Uh, and they didn't, they, they didn't even look back. Um, <laughs> but there was one dude on a donkey going the wrong way down the trail, down the mountain. And they labeled that the donkey of shame. And they, uh, before they left, they just said, we had better not catch you on the donkey of shame. <laughs> And I mean, it's one of the hardest physical things I've ever done in my life. And after climbing and climbing and climbing and climbing, carrying a backpack, um, uh, there, I, I get to, we're almost there to the top of this where we'll go downhill the other side. And, uh, and I see my kids up at the top. And my youngest son, Tucker, I'll never forget it my whole life. He sees me down there and he says, you can do it, dad, you can do it. And then the next thing I know, he's bounding all the way down all the way down the stairs, comes down, takes the backpack off my back, put your arm over my shoulder, Dad. And he walked me across that um, peak. That's the church. That's the church of Jesus Christ. By the way, that's what Andy Lewis has been in my life more than once. Everybody needs somebody that they could say, I thank God for this person. You know what they give me? They give me courage. Right? That's what the gospel does. Creates this kind of community. People fighting for each other. Second, the gospel, I want, I want you to see advances through tribulation, through hardship. Kevin talked about it so well. What happens when the gospel goes to Rome? It advances not in spite of Paul's suffering, but because of it. Paul's arrested in Jerusalem, subjected to endless trials, imprisoned for two years, threatened with assassination. He's shipwrecked. He nearly drowns. He's almost killed by the soldiers. He's poisoned by a snake, and he arrives in Rome as a prisoner. And yet people today in North America act like suffering is an aberration. Suffering is the way of the Christian. It's normative. It's the way God advances his kingdom. Acts 14 says, through many tribulations... We must enter the kingdom of God. Jesus said, if anyone would be my disciple, he must what? Deny himself and take up his cross. You mean put in those cute little earrings you got, right? Cute little silver cross earrings, a cute little cross necklace. No, that's not it. Take up his cross, that instrument of crucifixion we talked about. The gospel weans us from the false narrative that the way to life is ease and comfort And that the reason to follow God is so that he'll guarantee you that. You know, that's God's job, right? That's the deal. I follow him, he gives me a life of ease. The result is a soft, disillusioned Christians who angrily announce when any hardship comes, I don't think I believe in God anymore anyway. I heard somebody in Fort Myers last week, a horrific tragedy from Hurricane Ian. But one of the first things I heard in the radio was somebody say, I don't think I have faith anymore after this. Which makes you say, what was their faith in? The faith is in a God who does not exist, in the God you want, not the God who is. The God who said, in this world you'll have tribulation. The God who said, they killed me. What do you, how do you think they're going to treat you? Right? Um, listen, the way of the Christian life is crucifixion and then resurrection. Endure suffering, Paul says. Adversity actually enhances gospel opportunity. Think of Paul. He's chained to a guard. And they change the guards every four hours. 
for a couple of years. Paul, <laughs> imagine being chained to Paul for four hours. Um, Paul has gospel opportunity. Paul, while he's in Rome, um, writes Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians, right? Adversity advances the gospel. Whenever it happens, Christians lean forward. Whenever adversity comes, it's gospel time. You know, um, people come to me sometimes and they'll say, I can think of a man in my office saying, my marriage is awful. Um, my wife, um, you know, doesn't love me. She doesn't respect me. She doesn't get time for me. She complains all the time. She's bitter. Uh, this is what I signed up for. Um, <clears throat> you know, I'm out of here. What do you say about that, Pastor? And I say, well, as far as I'm concerned, it seems like it's going according to plan. <laughs> right? I mean, what did you sign up for? I thought you signed up for marriage. He said, yeah, I did. I signed up for marriage. Well, this is exactly according to plan. Love your wife as Christ loves the church. And how does the church, the bride, treat Christ? They ignore him. They despise him. They wander away from him. Um, they're, a, they're, a, they're a wretched bride. But he loves her anyway. So, seems to me it's exactly what you uh, signed up for. Right? And you know the great thing about counsel like that? I tell a story like that in church and nobody signs up for marriage counseling with me. <laughs> it's a win-win. <laughs> Nobody's happy that Johnny Erickson broke her neck in a lake when she was a teenager. But my, what, what a life. What good has come to the world 200,000 wheelchairs her organization has handed out. 64,000 special needs families ministered to at camps and conferences, and we could go on and on. There's a man in our church whose grandfather was murdered by the Wadani Indians in 1956. Maybe you heard about it. Jim Elliott and, and Nate Saint. and Horrible. And yet thousands upon thousands became missionaries because of it. Um, had a woman in our church come up to me in the lobby after church recently and, and uh, she startled me with her intensity and, and she came up to me I didn't know her and she, she said uh, I'm so mad at God I'm so mad at God and uh, she told me her husband had died a couple months previously and, uh, and she said uh, and my friend my friend whose husband died too brought me here she turned and it was a church member whose husband had Beard off the road and run into a tree uh, in his 50s and died suddenly. And, and uh, she said, and I've been watching my friend and my friend is filled with joy in the midst of her suffering and I don't have that. And I think I need Jesus. I think I need Jesus. It's like, this never happens. This is being handed to me on a platter. Um, I said, do, are, do, you, do you mean you want to become a Christian? And she said, yes! And we prayed right there. She hasn't missed a, a day of church now in months and months and months, uh, a weekend. Because her husband died, because her friend's husband died, because she saw the difference in their, their hearts and their grieving. I want to tell you something, that um, the gospel advances through hardship, right? And last of all, I just want you to see how unstoppable the gospel is. When the gospel go to, goes to Rome, we learn it's invincible, Paul invites the Jews first. Um, they tell Paul, everyone's against this, this sect. 
Paul presents Jesus as the fulfillment of the Old Testament promise of a coming king. Some believe and some are indifferent. And Paul has to say, the Holy Spirit was right about you guys. You're hard-hearted. Right? So what an anticlimactic end to the book of Acts. When we preach to the book of Acts, it's like, what happened to Paul? What happened to Paul? And this is all, this is all it says at the end of the book. He lived there two whole years at his own expense, welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Here's the story. It's not in the Bible. After um, two years, Paul's exonerated. No witnesses ever show up from Jerusalem. Um, He goes to Spain and starts churches there. Did you know that? Um, In... um, Something uh, disaster strikes in July of AD 64. Rome burns. Nero pins the blame on Christians. And Nero crucifies who? Peter. Um, And you remember Peter, legend says, would not be crucified like Jesus. He demands to be crucified upside down. And then Nero arrests Paul. Paul can't be crucified. He's a Roman citizen but he cuts off his head in 64 AD. Paul's dead, but what are the final words of Acts? The word of God continued to spread without hindrance, and you realize the story of the church is not the story of Paul. They can kill Peter, and they can kill Paul, but the gospel is not stopped, right? Nothing binds the gospel. I will build my church, Jesus said. You can threaten beat, imprison, and kill my people. But the gospel is unstoppable. You can make it illegal. You can forbid it in school. You can mock it in the university. You can marginalize it in movies. But my kingdom will advance. I want to just say two words and we're done. Number one, be soft-hearted. Don't be like those people who heard the apostle Paul present Jesus and they said no. God draws near to you. Don't harden your heart. You might say, Pastor, we're all Christians here. That's never the case. And some people may watch this on on, uh, YouTube, right? Later on. Don't harden your heart. Gosh, when God draws near, don't mess with God, right? Paul tells the Jews, God's going to close the book on you and he's going to move on. Any of you see that movie 13 Lives about the Soccer team in Thailand. Incredible movie. And uh, I'm not even going to give a spoiler alert. Um, but 13 boys, they, get, they go back in a cave. And, uh, and the monsoon rains come and they're trapped in the cave. It's an incredible true story. And uh, the only way they can get to them is these two expert divers from, uh, from um, uh, the British Isles um, go there. It takes them like eight, nine hours Uh, underwater swimming, navigating through the most treacherous cave to even find the boys. It's a miracle they found them. But what's the problem? How do they get them out? What do they do? Those boys can't even swim. As, As if that, in one sense, matters because it's all underwater. It's all, there's no way out, right? This is, this is an unbelievable story of rescue. It takes them like 10 hours per boy to get them out. Um, Now I I want you to think, imagine, 
Imagine those divers making all their way in miraculously and finding those boys still alive, 13 of them, 10 hours back into a totally flooded cave. One of them died. One of the the divers uh, died even trying to get back to him. Only the most skilled divers in all the world could get in. And imagine when they show up, those boys say, no thanks, we got it. That's what it's like to give Jesus the stiff arm. It's crazy. And I would just beg you. Don't think you can make it through this world, let alone the world to come, without Jesus. Right? Soften your heart. One last thing to say. I want you to be confident if you belong to Jesus. Listen to me. We have way too many professing Christians who are mopers. They're frightened. They're doomsdayers. I hear it all the time. What if China takes over? What if liberalism takes over? What if we've got you know, transvestites dancing in our libraries in front of children? What if MAGA takes over? What if churches and Christian schools are outlawed? Oh, pastor, pastor, pastor. I'll tell you what will happen. The kingdom will advance. And it will probably advance faster and with more vigor the worse it gets. So what do you want? What do you want? I just have to say this. Relax. God can't be stopped. What happened when the gospel went to Rome? The gospel won. It always does. Amen. Jesus, you're mighty God. And you used Paul. And you used Peter. And you used Tertius and Cordus. And you used us. And you used suffering. And you used churches. And you advanced the gospel towards making all things new. And we are your grateful people. We would be like those Jewish folks who turned away, being offered eternal life. They turned up their nose. They hardened their hearts. It would be our story if it weren't for your kindness and your grace. Thank you that you broke open our hearts so that we can live knowing that we are your beloved. Thank you, Jesus. Your gospel love has changed everything. Amen.